welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party that looks at the creative and inspirational aspects of the Star Wars galaxy. I am one of your hosts, John Mills, and with me by special arrangement of uh, the trade negotiations at Naboo is uh, my good friend, Sean Eastridge. Sean, welcome to Great Shot Kid. Thank you for having me. This is the first time, and I guarantee you it'll be the last time. I <laughs> I wouldn't guarantee that, but I do thank you for being here. No, I'm happy to be here. You're, you're the first guest host, I think, on Great Shot Kid. Really? Well, so. all right. I'll, I'll take it. No, are I, you? What kind of... What are we talking about? Yes, yes. Let's not question. You know it. Let's, let's just, just go say with so. it. Let's just say and let's so. discuss. Not? Let's discuss cash prizes. Cash pri- Yes, cash prizes. A shiny nickel from everybody that wants <laughs> you to come back next time. So all I've ever wanted. <laughs> so yeah, oh, great. Oh wait. So <laughs> I might not be getting a nickel. <laughs> so uh, you know, before we get started this week, of course, we're on the nerdparty.com. If you want to reach out to the show, the nerdparty.com slash contact. You can reach out to us on Twitter at join nerdparty and on Instagram at The Nerd Party and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Nerd Party and feel free to use the hashtag Great Shot Kid and that'll get to us and we'll know that you're talking about us and we appreciate it. So, all of that out of the way, we recently lost a Star Wars luminary, the costume designer John Malo. And so he did the costumes for star Wars and the empire strikes back among myriad other films through a somewhat distinguished career. And so I think the, the best way to go off, we know what you think of star Wars. Everybody knows what everybody thinks of star Wars at this point, the costumes though, I, I, I want to get a sense from you. I know how it was when I was a kid, what costumes I responded to most and you know, what, what character look I, I liked the best when you were coming up, and you saw Star Wars for the first time. What was the costume where, when you looked at it, you were like, that is an awesome outfit? What's the one that well, you gave I, the thumbs up? I don't think there's any question that... I think Darth Vader, for so many people, was just like, what is this? Like, I've never, ever seen anything like this. Ever. I mean, it was just like, I remember being a kid and just being so awestruck by that and terrified. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I was so scared. It made such an impression on me. Wow. Um, but I do, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I, it's just, I mean, that is an iconic look at this point in, in our lives and everyone's lives. You can't not know Darth Vader and what that costume looks like. But I remember that one standing out. I always loved return of the Jedi was my first star Wars movie. And I always loved, uh, Luke's just dark, outfit his just completely black outfit which uh not too complicated costume wise but i remember uh i used to try to mimic it and uh my my mom caught me a couple times trying to dress like luke skywalker on the way to church and she did not approve um i couldn't get a robe unfortunately okay so so uh that that's kind of funny because uh obviously then you weren't catholic because luke's outfit looks very much like a a priest (laughs) in return of the See, i could have pulled that i think i i think i should have used that as an excuse to convert because then i could have (laughs) gotten away with it. But no, I am. Um, I, I think Darth Vader especially. But you know, there are so many iconic looks in these movies that I think about. And as a kid, especially, you you start to just dig through your closet for ways to match it. Like Han Solo is another good one with yeah. the vest and the the white shirt because they were so simple. Everything was so simple. But the brilliance of Star Wars, as many people have have talked about, is is how uh, 
it evoked the real world. It felt mm-hmm. lived in. It felt like things you could kind of put together yourself. And uh, that's exactly what I think is so striking about this stuff. It, it, it's it's these costumes are iconic, and the the designs and everything you could you could pick it out in a clothing store and just be like, oh, absolutely. Wait, why is a clothing store selling Jedi robes? Yeah. I don't know why they should be though. But it was. I just remember being so struck by the simplicity of it and yet how like memorable it was. Um, See, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, I think a lot of people overlook uh, the costumer and even when they're talking about star Wars, they overlook the costumer unfairly because everybody's able to look at and cite, you know, the Ralph McQuarrie paintings and the storyboards. And, you know, everybody knows that that is the birthplace of the actual designs. So going just back to that very first one, Malo is given the task of here are these really cool paintings and you need to find a way to make the fabrics work and to make Vader's helmet work and to make these things work so that when you costume them, like you said, it looks like something somebody could actually wear. Because I think that's really the biggest stumbling block when you look at a lot of science fiction stuff especially stuff that predates star wars but even some stuff that's contemporary with it and i'm you know what i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna throw it on you know the the sacrificial block here but star trek the motion picture that is very much a victim of that thinking of hey it's space age futuristic stuff look at how they look this is how i sketched it and the i you know i i'm not you know throwing shade on the costumer per se but i'm sure the costumer would have loved to be like well this is I'm going to do the best I can. So thanks guys. <laughs> this is, this is yeah, what I got. This is what I got. And it's, with. it's funny. I, uh, you know, I mentioned return of the Jedi specifically, which I don't think he was involved. No, with, he, but, he um, only, he only did star Wars and empire, but Jedi is a descendant of his look. Exactly. I mean, it's all coming from what he established in the first two movies, yeah. but you know, star Wars and empire or return of the Jedi, uh, definitely has a cleaner look. It feels a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, Feels a little bit more put together to me, uh, you know. Return yeah. of the Jedi, which I which I like, uh, um, I, I it's not my favorite of the three movies, but I always felt it carried kind of an aura of. Uh, th- this is going to sound like a, a negative thing, and I guess it kind of is, but it kind of carries this aura of artificiality to me, where the first two Star Wars movies feel very real to me the third one feels a little bit more staged and i think that speaks to his power and what he accomplished as a uh, a costume designer is to come up with things that really do feel like they're reality based or that they feel like they are of a actual existing world and i don't know do you get that vibe uh, do you see that difference in see, re- from return to the first two when i look at it I see the distinction I see is that I'm not a huge fan of Alan Hume's cinematography in Return of the Jedi. I, I yeah, I'll, I I agree with they, you there. They switch the type of camera, and I I think that the costumes don't don't look as realistic or lived in specifically because the camera doesn't make them sing. That said, I think that there's a very conscious effort in a lot of the costumes in Return of the Jedi to have that put together feel. I know that. For instance, in that design process, as I recall from one of Rinsler's books, uh, you know, originally they were doing the the rebel sets in the same sort of aesthetic as the first two, where they're you know they're they're dingy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Lucas came in at one point and said, "No, no, no! They finally got their act together. This has got to look good. This is their okay. their moment. They've got it all worked out now, and that's why they look so good. They're this is their best foot forward." 
I, you know, I'm right. paraphrasing here, but, um, and probably adding on more to extrapolate, you know, because <laughs> Lucas was not a man of, you know, many words. Um, <laughs> but I, what was his direction? It was a faster, faster. more intense. <laughs> right. Now, see, the thing is with, with the direction, what's interesting to me about that is that uh, Malo's actual quote is that he said, um, and this is a quote that's uh, left on the IMDb page. George left me in no doubt. Audience mustn't consciously notice the costumes, he insisted. If they do, you have gone wrong. Mm. So Mike and I just did this whole series where we were talking about iconic shots from the original trilogy, from the prequels, and then from the, the sequel trilogy. So all of the live action stuff. And, of course, costuming, I guess you could argue matters in the animated stuff, but we're not going to get into those semantics. Do you think that Malo's aesthetic, do you, do you see, I mean, obviously Jedi's descended from it, and you could even say that, well, I mean, he kind of costumed Jedi. Like, maybe the reason he didn't come back is because they've yeah. already got Vader, they've already got robes, they already know what all of these things are going to look like and everything. But sure. Do you think that his aesthetic is reflected in the prequel trilogy? Or do you think that... Because specifically this quote, audience mustn't consciously notice the costumes, but right out of the gate in episode one, Amidala has, I don't know, 3,000 costume changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was a conscious decision on Lucas's part to maybe bring in some kind of... Uh, just a little bit more... Like some different visuals and aesthetics there. Mm -hmm. Because I remember as a kid... It, I think if I had been a little bit older and a little bit more discerning at the time, it might have uh, upset me a little bit more just because it is such a strikingly different aesthetic mm -hmm. from what we've got been used to. But I remember as a kid just thinking like, oh, that's kind of cool. It, it looks different. It, but mm -hmm. you do see his influence everywhere else uh, as far as the costumes go. I mean, you see it in, in the Jedi robes. You see it with Anakin. Um, I, uh, I, I really... I really enjoyed. Uh, I I think it. I'm in a minority here, but I enjoy Episode One the most of the three prequels. And part of that is I think it ties closely as far as from a visual standpoint to the original trilogy for me. I kind of I see the connection between the two, and um, I I think a lot of it maybe the fact that they spend some time on Tatooine that a lot of, it was filmed uh, it was filmed on film and I don't think there was as much green screen use but I think the the connection with the costumes too and I'm I really am thinking of the stuff that you see on Tatooine does I, you see the influence, and again, yeah. it's because that was that he laid it out in the first two movies, and Phantom Menace to keep keep things connected and keep it recognizable. Absolutely pulled from that. So, so here here's here's a question for you, okay? Because Malo undoubtedly shaped the look of the characters, shaped the look of everything that we have come to love about Star Wars. And when you have a movie series, okay, we've gone into the, the sequel trilogy, and Lucas is not directly involved in them, but he still gets his credit, you know, based on characters and everything to, by George Lucas. And Malo did the, uh, did the costumes for Alien. And one of the yeah. big points about the Alien sequels is H.R. Giger. Giger? Is that how you, that's how you pronounce his last name. I, Giger, I said, Geiger. I said Geiger for the longest time, and then I heard Giger. If you, if you, yeah, if you don't pronounce his name correctly, he will haunt your dreams. I think yes, that is I, something. I, he is, I'm in he for is a rough for. night. Yeah. <laughs> but but Giger winds up suing and winning because of the sequels, because he's like, that's my alien. I designed that. Yeah. I get money and credit for that. 
why is it the costume designers get such the <laughs> shaft on that? Because again, Return of the Jedi, he's built the costumes already for half of the cast. And yeah. then there's the influence in, I mean, the Jedi robes are in all of them. So it's John true. Malo's look is all <laughs> over this thing. So yeah, he, he no should love. be getting some, yeah, some residual, uh, some, some, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I, you know, HR Geiger, I wonder if it's because, uh, at Geiger Geiger, uh, yeah. yeah, this is bad. You're up We're for both nightmares getting too. tonight. Yeah. Good, good luck. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think in that case he was hired specifically to design this thing. And, and I feel like a, because he was like a conceptual artist and is so like kind of stands apart in the crew list. I wonder if costume designers are just kind of like, oh, but you're you're hired and what you do we own. And Alien in particular, more so because Aliens is very militaristic, which yeah. I know Molo, I know he has some kind of love and background with that kind of stuff, military stuff. And he has a fascination with that, which he brought into the costumes of like the Rebel Alliance and the Imperials in uh in star wars yeah. but uh alien the first one feel i mean they all feel very lived in you know again alien kind of continued along the lines of the lived in future taking it to an even larger extreme but alien more so than the other two feels very much like these are normal people like they're they you know yes. nothing fancy they're not military they're not monks on a on a creepy prison planet um, it's not the quasi futuristic like style that was in Alien Resurrection that felt more anime than yeah. anything else. But like Alien stands alone to me in terms of like you feel like these are just normal people who kind of got thrown together onto a spaceship and you the vibe his costume design gives off in that movie reflects that and reinforces what Ridley Scott was trying to go for with that. And yeah. I don't know. I don't see I, I, I see I don't see his influence as much in the alien sequels. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I mean I to, to bring it back to your your question, I, I wonder if it's just because a conceptual artist, a name like uh Giger, I'm just gonna go with Giger. Go with Giger. A name like that, yeah, when you say you have been brought on in, you know, alien design by Giger, if you somehow get ownership of that because technically it's like does jordan Cronenwell's west family get uh any kind of residuals for blade runner 2049 for the work roger deakins did clearly inspired that's by the cinematography and blade point. runner that's a that's a so, that's a great point too i don't huh. know it might just be the fact that uh giger created something that was then used whereas everything else is in service of the film itself uh, in service of the director not that the alien or this design work isn't but you know Giger was very specifically hired for a specific thing that may that makes a lot of sense to me and and the thing is what's fascinating about Malo is undoubtedly Star Wars Alien and Empire Strikes Back just right out of the gate amazing work and shifts the whole genre changes the expectation mm. for science fiction he he then did another science fiction movie uh the costumes for outland which is a sean sean connery oh. still finding his way post bond um <laughs> oof, that's a rough one if nobody's seen outland so you're saying that, i need to see this yeah i would yeah, encourage i would you know up. what i would encourage it i might uh maybe because sean uh for anybody that doesn't know uh hosts missing frames a delightful show here on the nerd party network about movies people haven't seen maybe we've just signed up for outland for missing frames <laughs> because the last <laughs> yeah, time I i'm looking i'm yeah. looking at the poster now and it's uh, on the 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 yeah. tagline is on jupiter's moon 
He's the only law, and yeah. he's holding a shotgun. I mean, I'd, I'd be terrified beautiful. of uh, Sean Connery with a shotgun. <laughs> you know, full yeah, disclosure. I, 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 the only time I've seen it actually was on television as a kid. So I know that I saw a highly redacted version of it. So you uh, need a you need a Blu-ray, 1080, I, 4K, something. 4K Ultra, really Ultra HD. The beauty, <laughs> the beauty of this film. But but then he goes on. He does the costumes for Gandhi, which is a huge, uh, you know, uh, critical darling um, in the mm-hmm. '80s. So like he is and really best picture of that year, right? Yeah. Yes, and, and it beat, that's right. It beat ET. Yep. And even Richard Attenborough was like, uh, E.T., give it to E.T. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I will say, you know, we go through and he, he's got this great career, but he also has done the costumes for some highly questionable films that I want to know if you've seen. I mean, he's do- he's done Gandhi. <laughs> he did Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, which I remember as not being as well received as people expected back then. And, you know, Revolution, Cry Freedom. White Hunter, Black Heart. He also did the costumes for Air America, the uh, the, the <laughs> delightful gem with Mel Gibson and uh, and Robert Downey Jr. Oh my! Which God. I remember seeing on videotape and being outraged because it was a period piece because it's about the you know the 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 mythical, the real but its myth has grown by leaps and bounds. Uh, uh, air program by the CIA. Uh, you know, over in Vietnam and right. You know, it's, it's given these mythic proportions basically, but I remember specifically a point in the film where they had love me two times. And my favorite band is the doors and love me two times is playing, which was contemporary to the time, but it was a cover by Aerosmith playing in universe on the, (laughs) I I was so outraged as a doors fan at the time. I was ready to just burn my video player here. Here are two fascinating things about air America. Perhaps the only two fascinating things about air America. (laughs) Probably one. It was, it was directed by Roger Spottiswood who did tomorrow never dies. uh, My first ever James Bond movie. Second, even more impressive. Guess who was it? Cinematographer. Who? Roger Deakins. No, <laughs> I gotta go back and watch this now. We've got to watch another. That's there you another go. That's another missing frame frames right there. right there. John Malo, you keep giving even from beyond the grave. God bless you. This is amazing, amazing, uh, amazing. But yeah, so he did Air America, and then he followed up with another Robert Downey Jr. movie, Chaplin. Uh, maybe arguably better. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. But he also directed by Richard Attenborough, which I also haven't seen, and I would love to see that. But it, I, you know what? I haven't seen Chaplin either. But but what's interesting to me is a lot of these things. This is what's fascinating: is a lot of these things after he moves out of science fiction, a lot of this stuff is period piece. Yeah, he's, I, he's I was doing all of this same. period piece that. stuff, and he doesn't get back to science fiction until 1997 with the truly execrable uh event horizon <laughs> it's funny you say that because i hear people have been coming out of the woodwork to be like oh event horizon no i, I like they're it. all liars no? they're all terrible wow. terrible liars now if i remember anything I, i've never seen the movie but i do remember the aesthetic of it and kind of uh the commercials yes things like that and that one looked very sci-fi to me it, you know it's sort of it's it's interesting because the aesthetic for it as i'm thinking about it is almost like a uh a, a postmodernist sort of take on alien where it's like oh alien huh. but a little cooler man and it's like it's not cooler because alien is plenty <laughs> cool and you just ruined the whole thing 
Yeah, um, you don't get much cooler than Alien unless it's a movie directed by James Cameron. Yeah. With a, with, with a plural instead of a singular. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but yeah, uh, Event Horizon, I, I would be interested to have you watch that because that is, that's an interesting one. But, but after that, and this is what's mind-blowing, is he has this incredible resume and then he goes straight to TV movies. And I, yeah. I'm very interested as to why he would have done that. I do not know why he did that uh i'm i'm looking because i'm looking at his his wikipedia page and just looking through his films and it abruptly cuts off at event horizon yeah and it's like it, it says he was active until 2003 yeah Th- he, that is fascinating he did all of these tv movies from uh 1998 through 2003 uh horatio mm-hmm. hornblower movies so again wow. we get back to the period piece so it's so bizarre i like i really want to go read more about him just because yeah. oh wow wow do you know who starred in the horde blower series no and i never pronounce his name right i own Grafud, the guy who played mr fantastic oh. in the fantastic four movies oh my god yeah he's right there <laughs> horatio hornblower the duel oh uh, yeah okay get out <laughs> you're gonna make a fantastic joke but okay so the, so the thing is we, we've established that malo I, you know, it's so, but that's so fascinating to me because how many stories are like this in Hollywood where somebody mm-hmm. comes along and they, they just knock it out of the park. They make something that is, uh, you know, instantly genre shifting. Right. And then they're just Star Wars was, that was, that was his first movie right yeah. out of the gate. It's like you start with Star Wars. You know, I actually have an interesting story about that, about the costuming in specific, is um, mm. there, there was a time many years ago when I was in college where I was uh, working for a, a, a regional live theater, and the, the, the head costumer, the costume mistress, um, lovely lady, absolutely, uh, I, I can't recall her name right now, but she, she really was, she was great. She was like one of, the, she was a perfect mentor type person, even though I wasn't in costuming, mm. who you know, she'd see you fumbling around backstage and she had, she's like, hey, oh, oh, sweetie. OK, let's let this is how you do these things. And it's like, oh, OK. And she, I think she's the one that taught me how to spot stitch for the first time and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And yeah, and it was it was great. But she relayed a story where in the late 70s, she had been given an opportunity to go to London to work on a film, at, you know, just in the costuming department. And she mm. turned it down because they were starting a family and, she, you know, the, it, the job wasn't going to pay a lot. And that film was Star Wars. And <laughs> I was like, what? Really? Oh, man. And so wow. that's how close she came to working with John Malo. So I know. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is that is I absolutely can't believe nuts. That. That's amazing. And and you know what? I how do you reconcile? <laughs> something like that you're like oh well all right i mean i guess starting a family is okay it's an okay consolation prize yeah. to maybe working on star wars i guess but it but you know but before we go though one of the things i want to say because we're talking about how you know his aesthetic went through and everything i mean his you know let's get back to the force awakens where you know they basically saw do a soft reboot of star wars I mean, mm. those costumes are straight up 
they could have been lifted from the 1970s. So, oh, of course, and I mean that was absolutely what they were going for is, yeah. is bring it back to the basics. But uh, yeah, I mean, more so than maybe any Star Wars movie since Empire, they they really really embraced that aesthetic. So. With the little that you've seen from the images from The Last Jedi, do you see Malo's influence continuing? I mean, obviously there's Luke, you know, in, in the Jedi robes and everything, and, you know, Ray's outfit is forever going to scream that sort of thing. But do you see mm. a continued Malo influence, or do you see things opening up a little bit based on what you've seen uh, up to this I, point? I think, I mean, there there is no question that that influence is going to be... It, it can't not be a part of this. And you see it in the military uniforms. You see... Because uh, it, it's all birthed from Star Wars, from The Empire Strikes Back, from that original trilogy, and that's where they're coming from. So it, it, you see the love for the original trilogy in these new movies, and you see the the desire to to embrace that old school aesthetic. And, you know, a lot of this is coming, you know, it's a sequel to Force Awakens, so you're seeing a lot of the same stuff from there, but there's no question. I mean, yeah. Malo's influence is his, his fingerprints and and the, the work that was done on that uh, original trilogy in particular, I think Star Wars, um, and I'm sure we'll see some Empire influences in The Last Jedi, because how <laughs> every movie since Empire Strikes Back, every Star Wars movie has owed something to The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's, but, it's the uh, wrath of Khan of Star Wars. It, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there's no question. You, you, it, it is an incredible legacy to leave behind to basically single-handedly change the visual aesthetic of science fiction yeah. for for. For all time, essentially, you you see it everywhere. And and the thing is, we haven't even touched on, and I guess we'll just move past this to avoid any controversial comments. But basically, they just rated his design notes for Rogue One, and I mean, they you know there were what three new costumes in that whole thing, tops. <laughs> so at least yeah. Force Awakens had a few more new costumes than than Rogue right. One. Right, and and Rogue Rogue One, I mean, it, it's happening right around the time of A New Hope. And it's also uh, it's a you know it's a war film quote unquote it's the first Star Wars war movie so it is very much in his wheelhouse where you know he had a lot of love for that kind of design and military design and Rogue One absolutely is taking its stride from that kind of uh, aesthetic. So he, so here's a question for you then because we both agree that the cinematography did not work to uh, to make the costumes look as lived in or 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 believable if you will, sure. Uh, in Return of the Jedi. Do you think that the military costumes on the Rebels that we see and those sorts of things in Rogue One, the way that they're shot, is more reflective of if they had successfully mimicked Malo in Return of the Jedi instead of, you know... I mean, but the thing is, even that seems kind of dismissive because in, in Return of the Jedi, you have Jabba's court... And those costumes feel straight out of seventy seven. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great stuff in that movie. I think a lot of a, a lot of it comes from like I'm thinking of like Leia and Han on Endor and mm. it, just kind of the simplicity. It, it yeah. looks very costumey to me. Like it, it looks very much like they were like let's here's the costume that you're gonna put on and where they it looked a little too clean cut, a little too like oh here's a forest dress that you would wear. Leia. You, know you know it just you know what I mean. So. No, I I and and. To, to refine that further, I think you're spot on, but I think that, and this is one of the things that, uh, you know, even costuming in live theater is a big thing, is distressing the stuff. That's what's missing yeah. in Return of the Jedi, is her, it, her it costume is not is. distressed. 
whereas Malo yep. distressed everything in uh you know in Star Wars and Empire. And in Star Wars and I mean like literally those are Star Wars Alien Empire right right in a row three of the top most influential sci-fi films of all time. So of, I mean literally you're looking at you know with the exception of Blade Runner right after Empire you're looking at the aesthetic of science fiction films moving forward between Star Wars, Alien, Empire, and then uh, Blade Runner, which he wasn't involved in. But it's like the guy basically pioneered that look. One final thought. And, you know, I know I'm sort of hung up on, on my live theater memories and stuff like that. But we always washed costumes. And Malo's distressed his costumes. So there's got to be, I guess, a limit to how much you can wash them. <laughs> How bad do you think that those costumes smelled by the end of filming? I I think the the sweet scent of Harrison Ford sweat is probably something that, it, when inhaled, will just make you a better actor. <laughs> I I can't imagine it would be anything less than that. <laughs> Nobody has any clear memories of filming because of his scent. Not, what do you think David Prowse's costume smelled like? <laughs> it smelled like betrayal and spoilers. <laughs> That works. That works for me. That really works for me. Well, uh, Sean, it has been an absolute delight uh, talking about John Mallow and, and costume. Likewise. Where yeah, can absolutely. people find, I, find you? Well, I am on the Nerd Party, as you mentioned. I'm on Missing Frames, which is a show where we watch movies we should have seen by this point in our lives. Uh, definitely feel free to check that out. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at Doorman. Tweet me. Just tweet me up. It'll be great. You have 280 characters say, right? to do it in, though. Yeah, now 280 characters, yeah. so no excuse not to vent all your frustrations at me. <laughs> I do, and it feels good. And uh, <laughs> if you're on Twitter, you can also send me a note over at Kessel Junkie, and you can find me here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, or you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. So thank you, everybody, on this journey. If there's anything about the costumes that you feel we might have left out or you want to reach out to us about, again, the network is at Join Nerd Party on Twitter, the Nerd Party on Instagram, and you can send us an email at thenerdparty.com slash contact or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. So once again, thank you, Sean, and keep wearing those fresh styles out in the stars. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.